0: I know Sundays in July offer a lot of options by way of where you can spend your time on Sunday morning. So thank you for joining out and uh, being a part of our prayer time for our TMAI training centers around the world. Uh, You're going to hear more about this, but this is a special week that's been designated not only for Grace Church, but for churches across the country, for donors and supporters to engage with the ministry of TMAI by way of undergirding it in prayer, and that's going to be our focus this morning. So thank you for coming out and joining us. I want to take just a moment and introduce you to some of the staff of the Master's Academy International. Uh, If you could, if you're part of our staff, if you could stand up. There you are. Okay, a few of them are here. Yeah, great. Keep, stay standing. I'm going to introduce you guys. This is Brian Tomesian. Brian is our executive vice president. He and I have been working together full-time since January of 2014. It's been an absolute joy. Brian and his wife, Alex, who's here, uh, served in Russia at uh, the Samara, uh, train center in Samara uh, for many years and brings that expertise and insight uh, into our office every day, and it's really been very valuable. So you'll hear more from Brian in just a moment. Thank you, Brian. Standing here is Marco Bovino. Marco is a TMS student from Italy. Marco serves as one of our ambassadors in our office. Uh, one of the responsibilities that TMAI has, a primary responsibility, is to raise financial support to make uh, the attendance of our training centers affordable to national pastors Um, We want to provide them with an excellent theological education preparation for ministry. But uh, to afford that and keep it uh, affordable to them, we need to offset that. So we raise funds throughout the year. And one of the key um, ways we do that is engaging with churches across the country who will adopt a training center. And so uh, Marco is one of two of our ambassadors who's liaising every single day of the week with churches, uh, giving them updates from the training centers that they have selected uh, to support and facilitating a variety of resources for them so they stay directly engaged and it's part of the life of their ministry and their church. So Marco, thank you for your ministry and your work. In the back uh, is David Chow. David is our Director of Communications and Marketing And so anything that you see that has TMAI's name on it, whether it's a book, uh, a website, social media, a T-shirt, a brochure, uh, originates through David's leadership and his mobilization of the team of folks who both help us by way of providing contract labor, special projects, or volunteering. And it's a really wonderful army of people. He also oversees our conferences and events and um, is just a, a great... Leader in that regard, so you'll hear more from David in just a moment. Uh, next to David uh, in the back is Daniel Gloucester. Daniel is uh, newer to our team, our team, and a remarkable answer to prayer. Uh, as our ministry has grown, and as I said, we um, receive gifts from donors uh, around the country and around the world to undergird the ministry. That requires that we uh, uphold the highest standards when it comes to uh, financial management, accounting, reporting so that we're above reproach and protects the reputation of our men. And so Daniel enables us to do that as our full-time accountant and works as part of the team in managing uh, both the receiving of gifts but also distribution of gifts and grants uh, to our training center. So thank you, Daniel, for your service. And also in the back, I want you to meet Julie Allen. Uh, Julie joined our team a couple of years ago, Uh, has been a member here at Grace Church. Julie and her husband, Cassidy, uh, down here are just a great encouragement. But one of the areas uh, as the ministry has grown that we really wanted to uh, excel at was our engagement with donors and supporters um, at every level. And so our grassroots movement, mobilizing as many people as possible across the country to engage with TMI, we needed somebody that we could trust uh, on a daily basis to engage with them on the phone and really turn that ministry of, of fundraising and development Uh, even more so into a a ministry of care and prayer. And Julie excels at that and brings to our staff meetings every week prayer requests from donors. And uh, that's a part of our ministry even this week as we pray for the work around the field, uh, around the world. Our guys on different fields are going to be praying for our donors and supporters as well. And so, Julie, thank you for helping us develop that aspect of our ministry. You do a great job in that. Well, there's a lot of other folks who make TMAI possible, uh, there's those who serve on our board. I saw Dave Bierhorst here. There he is, Dave, uh, waving his hand back there. Uh, Dave joined our board this last year and has just made a, a tremendous contribution there. There's others who serve on our board. And then, of course, uh, as I refer to, we have this uh, what I call army of volunteers who come in and just donate time, whether to, be, uh, to do a mailing project or to help run a conference and event. Or a variety of other needs, we could not do what we do without the volunteers that donate their time and, and serve and help and so, um, just a wonderful group of people to work with, and they have real servants hearts, and I benefit from that personally uh, as well as the sake of the ministry every single day. Uh, so I want you to meet them well what i 'd like to do many of you are familiar with the ministry of Tmi, but i didn 't want to assume that everybody uh, knows exactly what it is that we do by way of uh, our ministry and mission. So we're going to unpack a little bit of that in the first few minutes. Then we're going to go to the Word of God and take a look at the priority of prayer to undergird any mission's endeavor. And then we're going to actually pray, which is what you came to do. So uh, we have prayer requests. You see those on the seat in front of you uh, from training centers. Um, we've been accepting these prayer requests uh, for weeks. And this is not all of them, but we kind of narrowed them down so that we could spend our time profitably and focusing on prayer requests from every single training center that TMAI has and and within every region. So we want to give you an introduction, spend time in the Word, and then go to prayer. To get us started uh, this morning, uh, we wanted you to just hear a word from our pastor, who's uh, one of the biggest champions of the ministry of TMAI and uh, will bring the mystery to light in his own words. So you can look at the screen.
1: Everybody has known for a long time that training indigenous pastors is the best way to impact the church in another culture. Everybody's already known that. It's very difficult to take an American person or a Canadian person, you know, somebody in, in our part of the world, and say, okay, you're going to go to China, for example, and You're going to spend seven or eight years learning Chinese, and then you're going to have to figure out how to preach effectively in Chinese, and you're going to have to kind of work your way into the culture. That is a very, very challenging thing. And sometimes you don't really ever cross the cultural barrier. So men going in, powerful, effective men, and we're thankful for them, can preach the gospel, but they don't necessarily communicate in a long term way, the most necessary element, and that is that strong pastors in strong churches impact the entire culture from the inside. And that is the vision of TMAI to go when we are invited by indigenous pastors, godly men, leaders in their churches who want to do it biblically, sound doctrine, expository preaching, build strong churches. And that's our mission.
0: There you have it in the words of our pastor, uh, but I want you to hear it from um, Brian Tamisi next. So, Brian, come on up and take us through really the mission and distinctives of the ministry. Yeah, great. Thanks, Mark.
2: As we transfer the microphone here. Yeah, like Mark said, thank you for being with us today. It's great to have you here. And yeah, I just want to talk a little bit about who we are. Most of you, as I look out, a lot of familiar faces. Many of you know who TMAI is, what we do, what are the kind of the core values, distinctives. But I just wanted to take a minute just to rehearse that and just to kind of reiterate what those things are, just so you understand. They're going to be all very familiar because it's all really the same things that are um, characteristic of Grace Church, what we do here at Grace Church and at the Master Seminary. uh, It's it's very similar to what the philosophy is for TMAI overseas. So just running through them briefly, uh, the mission statement is up there. What are we aiming to do? Well, we're committed to fulfilling the Great Commission by training indigenous church leaders to be approved pastor teachers able to equip their churches to make biblically sound disciples. That's a mouthful, but basically what it is is it starts with the Great Commission. That's what we're Uh, commanded to be about, making disciples. Not just making converts, but making disciples who will be uh, able to to obey themselves what the Lord teaches, right? The Great Commission is teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And so that means not just looking at um, uh, converts, but actually making sound churches where there's solid discipleship going on, and where that church is replicating itself through the the church and through discipleship. So that's that's our mission, and the way we accomplish it is by training the leaders. So if you have strong leaders, then the church will be strong. So some of the, the core values, again, they'll sound very familiar, but the authority of Scripture, you see it up there. 2 Timothy 3.16 is, is one of our core, core verses that all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, training, correcting, and rebuking so that the man of God can be equipped for every good, Good work. So authority of scripture is the bedrock. That's what we uh, really put everything, uh, that's the foundation for all that we do. Centrality of the local church, like I said, we're very church focused. We are a parachurch church organization, but what that means is we come alongside, come actually under the church. So we're undergirding the church. So everything that we do is aimed at making the local church stronger. And so the centrality of the local church is one of our core convictions. The priority of the gospel Again, nothing new here. The gospel is what we're all about. We we um, we are very, very uh, adamant that the true gospel is what needs to be preached, and this is what we train men to do—to understand, to be able to communicate the gospel. And the importance of integrity, and this one is is critical. As you look around in, in missions and in, uh, churches around the world, one of the things that's so lacking is the biblical standard for leadership. And so when we're training leaders, we want to uphold what the biblical standard is for leadership. And it's not a mystery. It's it's there in Scripture, right? It's 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. It says what the qualifications are for an elder and for a, a pastor. And so we are very much wanting to see that uh, those qualifications uh, met in the, the men that we train. There, they need to be like the mission statement says. They need to be approved pastor teachers. So we equip men who are approved. Their character is approved. They meet the standards of elders and pastors. And so, when that is the case, then again the church flourishes because it has examples to look to. That men that are meeting those um, qualifications that are put forward in Scripture. And then the value of respect, again, this is so important in missions. It's very easy for us as Americans just to go onto a mission field and say, this is how everything needs to be done, right? You need to watch and learn, and we'll do everything, and you just watch how the Americans do it, and that's the way it's supposed to be done. Well, that's, that's not the approach we take. First of all, we're, uh, we go into a country at the invitation of nationals. So we never go saying planting a flag saying, we're going to train you. It's not that way because what happens is that there's not really people who, who show up. And then after time, they say, well, that's the American way. We never wanted that to begin with. But what we do is we go at the invitation. And so if there's national men, denominational leaders sometimes, or just church leaders who have a network of churches, and they see that they have a need for training and expository preaching, then we'll respond to that need. What goes along with that is this uh, this core value, the value of respect. What that's referring to is respecting those nationals in that country. We really do believe that we aren't the ones that have a, a monopoly on God's truth as Americans, right? We don't. That with training and with the proper tools, that those nationals can be every bit as effective at planting and pastoring churches. And so we respect our national partners, and that's a key core value of what TMAI does, that when we are working in a country that we look to those men as the future of the ministry there. And so when we train them, it's always with a long-term view to turn the ministry over to them. So those are the key uh, core convictions, the core values. Uh, Something that flows through that is what we call our distinctives. So you've heard of this term here, distinctive at Grace Church. The church has certain distinctives. Well, TMAI has distinctives as well, things that make us unique, even from other missions organizations. And so what are those things? One of the distinctives of TMAI is stewardship. And this is, this is really critical. When, when we go and train men in country, what we're doing is we're preventing uh, the need of having all the people sent here. We love the Master's Seminary and, and people in America, we, we want them to come here to get the best training. But if you're from another country, it probably is not the most wise Stewardship of funds to bring men here to train. So, what we want to do is, we want to go there, and it's a great stewardship of funds that we can train. We normally for one uh, person it costs about fifteen hundred dollars a year for us to train one man for a year. Well, if you bring a whole a man and his family here to the states, that's about fifty or sixty thousand dollars for one man to be trained. So, you can see the stewardship is is. Uh, much wiser for an international to be doing it there in country. Maturity, one thing that's distinct about TMAI is we're training men for pastoral leadership. When you go around uh, the world, you'll see that a lot of things that are billed as theological training really is not theological in nature at all. And it's not looking to raise men to a maturity where they can lead. What it is, a lot of the times, it's administration, it's church leadership. Uh, you, You would see that it's not actually biblical Ministry that's being taught, it's more worldly leadership principles, goal-setting, things like that. And so we want to really, uh, when we have men that we're training, we want to really ground them in the scripture, make them mature in the word, so that they're able to refute false teachers, able to teach sound doctrine, everything again that you'll see in the book of Titus and in First Timothy. These are what we 're looking to do with our, our men. So there's a maturity that we're aiming for, and again, that makes TMEI a little bit unique. Impact. Um, So this refers to the fact that when you train nationals, you are training men who are already familiar with that language. They're already familiar with the culture. They already know the people. And so what that means is they can have an impact because they're already part of that culture. They're already part of the the, uh, everyday kind of milieu there. They understand it. As Americans, like Pastor John said, when you go in, You you have to take a long time just to understand that. First, the language, if it's a different language, then the culture, and then to be able to to overcome that culture barrier. It's very, very difficult. But when you're training nationals, they have immediate impact there in their culture. Similar with longevity, and I can speak to this uh, personally that when you're an American, you're not guaranteed that you can stay in that country. Uh, you could have visa problems. You could have diplomatic issues. There's governments that change, and you could, on just like that, you could be forced out of the country. And that happened with my wife and I, and, and the whole team in Russia. So when you're training nationals, though, they're there to stay. They're not going to get kicked out of the country. So there's a longevity of ministry there uh, because. Again, they belong to that country. As a foreigner, you don't belong. You can be kicked out. But there's longevity in ministry when you're training nationals. And and really, our goal is not just to train pastors, but it's actually to train the trainers. So if you take the top uh, men that you train and you train them to be the faculty of that training center, then you can actually turn over the whole training center. And that's what's going on in, in the country of Russia and others right now is that there's Russians who are running the training center. So it's completely... Uh, self-replicating, if you will. So there's longevity there because they're nationals, and that's part of the the strategy. Multiplication. So that talks about the question: Why do you train church leaders? And again, this will be very clear to us here at Grace. We're so um, it's such a part of our fabric to train church leaders, and we understand why. It's because leaders multiply themselves. When church leaders are um, discipling the leaders in their church then those leaders are then discipling the, the congregation. The congregation is going out into the community. So it all starts with strong church leaders, and they multiply through the congregation. So you train one man, and you're actually then training the whole congregation. So when you get a, a group of pastors that you're training, you're able to influence each church that they represent. So there's really this multiplying effect. And then lastly, presence. And this refers to the fact that many of the, the people that you know here as Grace Church missionaries live in country. There's a presence there. We're not flying in, teaching for a week, and then leaving. That's, that's good if, if, if that's all you can do, but Grace Church has the immense privilege of being able to send men and women, their families, and plant them there in the country. So they're there 24-7. They're teaching. They're not just in the class and then leave, but they're able to invite men and their families over for dinner. They're able to have them in their home. They're able to disciple full-time in a church context. There's a presence there that makes all the difference in the world because we've been told so many times by the trainers who are on the field that the the real impact comes when you're able to be with the men and the women outside of the class, when you can have them over, you can teach them things that are real-life lessons in your home. So there's a presence there. So all these things are what make TMAI unique. These are things that uh, we are really proud to be able to say these are These are our distinctives. So a lot of times the questions uh, come to us What makes a member school? So We have seventeen member schools they 're all listed on the prayer requests that you have there. Sometimes people say, "Well, how can you get to be a member school? What are the standards that you apply to schools to make the member schools and, and just really quickly, briefly uh, there 's a number of other things, but you can think about it in terms of theological academic and financial standards. So we hold standards that are in the theological realm. So we require all the administration and the faculty and the board members of TMAI schools to sign our doctrinal statement each year. And it's the same doctrinal statement as Grace Church and Master's Seminary and University and Grace to You. So all the, the, folk, all the men that are teaching have to sign the doctrinal statement each year. This ensures a theological standard and doctrinal integrity across all the ministry. Also academic, so there's academic and educational standards that must be met. So if a a school on the field is saying that they offer a master of divinity, well, we want to be able to ensure that that's actually the case. And so we will look at what they're offering, and we'll uh, we're working through a process to certify those classes and those programs. So there's an academic standard, and then finally a financial standard. As Mark mentioned, we want to be accountable to the highest standards here in, in the U.S. to our government, but also We're representing the Lord, and so we want to be excellent in all of our financial administration, and we want to hold the schools to this as well so that as donors give, they can have confidence that what is going on on the field meets the highest standard, but also just for those men in in the ministries in country, that they're uh, meeting just a high standard of financial transparency, accountability. So we, as our office here in TMAI, we enforce and, and uphold those standards. Other criteria to be a, a, a member of school, you need to have two years of fact, fac, faculty doctrinal agreement. So, like I mentioned, the theological uh, standards. So, there needs to be two years where the faculty actually have signed the doctrinal statement. You need to have two TMS grads. This is really important that we are a ministry, really, that's so uh, tightly and closely connected to the seminary that member schools have to have two TMS grads there. And then there need to be two model churches that are associated with the school. So if you're training pastors, you need to be able to point to churches that those pastors are are pastoring to say, this is what it's supposed to look like. So to be a member school, there need to be two model churches where those pastors can point to the ministry going on there and say, this is what the ministry is supposed to look like. It's biblical. There's all the the, uh, core convictions that we have. Those are in place in those churches, scriptural, uh, you have the, the standard of integrity with the leaders, all those things. So, model churches is another criteria. So, those are just what it kind of the things about TMAI who what makes us who we are, and then some of the criteria for,
0: for schools. So,
2: Mark, if you want to come back up and.
0: Continue on. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We might ask where do we work around the world? And Brian said we have 17 training centers. That doesn't really tell the whole story um, because we are training mostly uh, full-time pastors. They're bivocational. Uh, often they can't relocate to uh, where our training center is uh, primarily housed. So within each country, uh, we have multiple teaching sites based in churches uh, that are hosted by graduates of our training center. So we have um, over 80 now teaching sites uh, for TMAI. It's pretty significant uh, breadth of of impact there. But when you look at the student body, uh, we have over 73 nations represented in the current enrollment of our training centers, which is significant because a lot of times those men from neighboring countries uh, will return home and that plants seeds for the launch of a new training center, which I'll illustrate in a moment. Uh, This year, uh, we had over 2,000 students enrolled in our programs across all training centers, which is Again, a testimony to the hunger and appetite of uh, pastors for this kind of training. And um, now we're approaching uh, just about 7,000 graduates uh, of our training centers. And so think about those churches represented by those 7,000 pastors and church leaders who are faithfully committed to those core values and distinctives that we talked about uh, a few moments ago. And then we have uh, an increasing number of full-time national faculty, over 45 and uh, this fa- these faculty work hard. Uh, they're all pastor- pastors serving their local churches, uh, as well as teaching and training and caring for their families. And so that's why we want to undergird them in prayer. Uh, they need to be lifted up on the prayers of the saints to be faithful in their work. We divide the world into five regions, uh, and we have regional leadership, which uh, is our positions filled by uh, many of our senior veteran uh, GMI missionaries uh, and national leaders. Uh, So we break the world down to these regions, Africa, uh, the Americas. um, We look at the Asia-Pacific region, uh, Europe and CIS, and then uh, the Middle East and North Africa. And um, that's enough there to praise the Lord for a remarkable testimony over 30 years of ministry and impact that this church has had around the world. But it's important that we also look out towards the future and see what God is doing. As Brian said, we go at the invitation of national church leaders. And so uh, we received many invitations uh, to consider developing a training center. Many of them are the the fruit of an existing training center. So recently we surveyed all the opportunities that TMAI uh, represents uh, from a, a national perspective. So if you just look at the countries that we're involved with by way of developing training centers or partnering in training. You can see uh, there at the top are member schools. That's those 17 schools. But many of those member schools have launched satellites uh, of training outside their own country into a neighboring country. So if you see that list, there's about 16 countries represented uh, in addition to our current training centers where they're at. We have a category we call candidates. These are those who are ready to make application for membership and working with them to develop their academic program, their, their budgets, and a number of other things. We just appointed Argentina under the leadership of Alejandro Palufo uh, to a candidate. We heard a wonderful presentation from him and, uh, to our board on Friday, um, and even there, uh, he was saying students in their training program already are not only from Argentina but Uruguay, Paraguay, Cuba. Uh, and some other countries in the Spanish-speaking world. So we're excited to have Argentina join us in membership. But then we look out to where TMS grads are working, uh, already to develop the foundation for training. And you can see there, there's a whole host of schools. And uh, you're real familiar, of course, with the ministry of GMI, which sends uh, missionaries out through Grace Church. And many of the missionaries that we've sent out in the last year Uh, are keyed to those schools' week-term associates who are developing new training centers, uh, preparing them uh, to be able to make application to membership. And then we have uh, a number of schools that are like-minded with us. We didn't start them, but they want to identify with TMA because they share the same theological convictions, the same philosophy of ministry, same distinctives. And so they want to be part of our fellowship. And there's another 16 schools there. So when you add up all of these countries, this really describes and and illustrates the footprint of TMAI. It's approximately 67 to 70 nations around the world that we are actively involved with. And if you come to our office at any given day, you'll hear people speaking in different languages on different phones and doing our best to come alongside and encourage the development of all of these works. And again, we praise the Lord because he's the one that's opened up these doors. And these doors have opened through the prayers of God's people who are hungry for the truth. Some of the things that we're involved in, uh, obviously uh, theological training with a focus on exposition so that men can rightly divide the word of God. We um, are very much involved in foreign language translation and publications of sound theological resources, which I'll comment on in a moment. Um, We're looking to publish and distribute resources to undergird both training and local churches so that their congregations can mature in the faith. We host conferences. All of our schools host annual conferences, often multiple times a year to expose people to biblical um, doctrine and and, uh, model expositional preaching to strengthen that understanding of what these pastors are being trained to do. And of course, we're active in discipleship. uh, And then all of this is key to the local church uh, to see it strengthened. So that's really uh, the scope of, ministry that TMAI represents that we're involved in. I do want to mention uh, a few more things with regard to global publishing. Um, You know, when you start a training ministry, just like all of you went to school, one of the things you had to do was you had to have textbooks, right? So imagine being in a country where there's very few sound theological resources. It's not like TMS here where you can go downstairs to a library and there's thousands and thousands of books in English. How do you train pastors without those kinds of resources? So, our guys early on in the development of their training begin to translate, uh, often uh, starting with our pastors' works, but also beyond that, good theological resources that are needed. We've been doing that uh, to the tune of about 50 uh, projects a year, uh, which is significant. That's undergirded through the gifts of God's people to make that possible. Um, But Last year, we had the privilege of being entrusted by uh, John MacArthur, his family, and grace to you with the full responsibility to hold the rights, TMAI, to hold the rights of all foreign language translations of uh, John MacArthur's life works. So his entire catalog of everything he's written from the old Bible studies uh, to his most recent books. And uh, the first thing we do is we um, developed a database to actually, There was no place you could go to see everything that had been translated of John's book. Some of us held information here at TMI, some at grace to you. So um, we had the privilege of hiring Rick Cress. Some of you know him. He's a TMS grad who's uh, quite experienced in publishing. And in developing this database, we've been able to identify over 1,500 resources uh, under uh, John MacArthur as author uh, in that database. And uh, 800 of them are already in foreign languages. So this has been going on for years. But what we're doing now is we're pursuing all the publishers that hold John's works and asking for permission to translate those works, not just into one language, but into all the languages that TMI works across the world. And this will help expedite uh, and take a more proactive approach to getting these resources uh, in the hands of the church. Not just uh, rights for print, which is important, but also digital and audio and media rights so that we can begin to use digital platforms for the distribution uh, of these resources. So this is a much more proactive approach. This slide here represents uh, the team of guys around the world that Rick works with. Uh, Every one of our training centers and every nation we work in has somebody who's tasked with uh, the responsibility of translating those resources. And so uh, Rick will do uh, uh, quarterly calls with these guys. They'll prioritize what resources the church needs, and then we'll go to work to get the rights for them, and then we'll raise the funds to make it possible. So that's just a brief uh, insight to one uh, aspect of ministry with TMA, but we rejoice in uh, the opportunity the Lord's given us to really expand the influence to serve the church. With that being said, I'm going to ask David Child to come up and just a uh, speak to you for a moment about this week, a very special week in the life of TMEI. And as David comes, I failed to mention and introduce his wife, Channing, who's with us. Channing is not only his wife, she has been a big part of our team for the last five years. Uh, We reluctantly uh, said goodbye to her as a staff member last month, only because of the great news that they're expecting their first child uh, in just a few weeks. But Channing's been a big part of our team and our family. So, David.
3: Great, thanks, Mark. Well, the reason why um, we're calling this seminar here, Together We Pray, is because this week, as Mark mentioned, there's about 40 or so churches around the United States and around the world joining us on this Sunday or next Sunday for a week of prayer. Um, There's also all of our constituents and supporters praying as well. So collectively, I think the opportunity has gone out to over 20,000 people to be praying with us this week, And so we call it Together We Pray, as we all pray together, and there are three areas that I just want to let you know about if you want to participate. Uh, today is uh, the prayer at church. It's one of the Sundays we've designated as a day where churches can pray with us, and that's what we're doing here next Sunday. Uh, some churches will be joining as well. Uh, the week of prayer from today till next Sunday, we're actually sending an email out uh, with more specific prayer requests, more detailed prayer requests than you have there in your chair. Um, so if you'd like to join us, you can go to this website, www.tmei.org slash Together We Pray, and just to sign up for our newsletter, we'll be happy to send you some information about the different regions, some of the, the, the trials that our men are going through, practical ways. we can be praying for them and also praises. So that will be happening each morning this coming week. We'll send an email out on a specific region. And then for this Friday, we invite you, if you're available, uh, at 4 o'clock our time, uh, there's an online prayer event. And we're just, again, rallying people from around the world Uh, to pray together. And so Mark will be hosting an online prayer event Friday at four. If you're signed up for that email, um, you automatically receive the link or you can go to our website and we'll post it there. If you can't join us for that time, uh, we'll post that uh, hour long prayer time uh, and you can watch it um, when you're available. So we would just encourage you to join us this week. We thank you for joining us here today. As a small way of saying thank you, um, we have some goodies for you in the back. One of them is the devotional that we put together. It's a book, a 365-day devotional written by our men, our faculty, our students and graduates from around the world. Um, And they just wanted to share the Word of God with all of you. As it has blessed them, they want to be able to bless all of you as well, specifically from their context as they're writing from A second gift that we uh, have for you and just a way to say thank you, but also to remind you to pray is there's some T-shirts in the back in different sizes. Uh, So thank you for being here, and make sure you grab a shirt and a devotional on your way out. Make sure you grab them quickly um, as we transition uh, into the main service. I'm sure people will be coming in as well. So you guys are here, and we want to give you that first chance. So thank you again. Um, I'm going to bring Mark back up. We're going to have a devotional time. Um, and then we'll be praying for all of the different requests that you have uh, that are on your seat. So thank you.
0: Thank, thank you, David. Well, we want to get to prayer. So uh, I'm not going to preach, uh, but I'm going to keep us focused on the importance of prayer. And matter of fact, the T-shirt that uh, you pick up on your way out has on the back of it uh, our text. For this morning that we want to keep in mind, that's Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. If you want to open your Bibles there, I invite you to do so. Now, if you are a student of the history of missions, you'll discover that just about every well-known missionary that you might read a biography has come to a place of recognizing the importance of prayer in the ministry of missions. Uh, It's easy for us to focus on all the practical aspects of service and ministry and sometimes uh, results in us putting more emphasis on human effort than God's effort to accomplish uh, his purposes in the gospel. Listen to these statements by missionaries uh, over the years. A.B. Simpson, who's founder of the Christian Missionary Alliance, said, Prayer is the mighty engine that is to move the missionary work. Samuel Zwemer who was very active in the Middle East, said the history of missions is the history of answered prayer. Another missionary, Stephen Gokroger, said, prayer needs no passport, visa, or work permit. There is no such thing as a closed country as far as prayer is concerned. Much of the history of missions could be written in terms of God moving in response to persistent prayer. One of the things that we want to be faithful to in the ministry of TMI is to elevate the importance of prayer and intercession in our ministry. Yes, we need financial support, and that's a wonderful way to be involved. There's a number of ways to volunteer and, and use your gifts and talents, but we can all pray. And what we're calling... Uh, our entire family across the country and around the world, too, is the ministry of prayer this week that puts the focus on God and His power at work to accomplish the noble task of advancing the gospel and building His global church. This is God's intention. And it's not for man's sake, ultimately, that people are just rescued and redeemed from, cell, uh, from hell or experience the benefits of coming into the kingdom. It's for the glory of Christ. And our text this morning from the book of Colossians is really uh, understood in the broader context of what Paul's emphasizing in this book, and that is the supremacy of Christ. You cannot read the book of Colossians without understanding that Paul's passion here is to see Christ's glory manifested Uh, you come and look at what he says in chapter 1, begins to celebrate and give thanks for uh, the testimony of the Colossians. But then he immediately goes into recognizing that this is for the glory of Christ, beginning in verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. And he just goes on in in the subsequent verses to really unpack for us the glories and wonders and supremacy of Christ. And then he says at the close of chapter 1, "...we proclaim him, Christ, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom, so that we may present every man," what? "...complete in Christ." For this purpose also I labor, striving according to his power, which mightily works within me. And and that's the ministry of of any faithful missionary. And certainly our aim in TMAI is to present every man, every, every woman complete in Christ. That's the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Those who then can reproduce. Christ likeness uh, by introducing others to the gospel and seeing them mature in faith and being taught to observe all that Christ has commanded. This is done in the context of the church. And so, Paul, of course, as the missionary to the Gentiles, understood the Great Commission, commissioned by Christ himself, but he understood with great clarity that this is not about human effort, human ambitions, building human institutions. This is about one thing it's about accomplishing what will bring Christ greatest glory. And so Paul continues on talking then about how we are being transformed into the image of Christ in chapter 2 and chapter 3, and uh, his purposes to see man who has come to the knowledge of the gospel and has submitted their life to the lordship of Christ, and how that life then is transformed to imitate Christ. And with all that in his heart and mind, we come to chapter 4, And beginning in verse 2, we begin to see Paul shares with us four specific opportunities that prayer, centered on the glory of Christ, will accomplish for the gospel. Let's read our text, verse 2. It says, Devote yourself to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the Word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have also been in prison, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. And the result of this prayer presents these opportunities. Verse 5, conduct yourselves then with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity, and let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. We see, first of all, in verse 2, is that a Christ-centered prayer is an opportunity to delight in Christ. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of what? thanksgiving. Well, thanksgiving for what? Well, a person who understands that the gospel is ultimately accomplishing just not the good for the individual, but the good of Christ, pauses in their prayer and recognizes with great, great gratitude what Christ has accomplished on their behalf. And so Paul says here to devote yourselves. This is being fervent, being alert, being dedicated in prayer. Paul says in other places to be committed to praying without ceasing. This is that same idea. But he says, first of all, as you go to prayer, you have to be characterized by gratitude for the work of the gospel in your own life. And that gratitude results in what? A heart of humility, because you have to confess you didn't accomplish this in your own strength, ability, by your own merits. It's by Christ alone. And so this is really a prayer of worship, of glorifying Christ for what he's done. And so this presents an opportunity, this kind of prayer presents an opportunity to first delight in Christ for what he has done for us. Well, as you go on in this text, you see that Paul says this opportunity of a prayer focused on Christ is an opportunity to declare Christ. He says in verse three, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will do what? open up to us a door for the word. Open up a door to do what? To declare, right? So that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. This is the opportunity of the faithful believer who's had their life transformed by the gospel. They long to see others know Christ in the same fashion and have their life transformed. But instead of putting the emphasis on human effort, Paul recognizes here that it is God who opens up the door, beginning with opening up the door of the heart and then opening up the door of the opportunity to actually declare Christ. So many times in Paul's writings, he makes reference of this. In 1 Corinthians 16, he says, I shall remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me. Who opened that door? God opened that door for him. In a similar way, in 2 Corinthians 2.12, he says, a wide door has been opened to me at Troas. Who opened the door? God opened the door. In Acts 14, verse 27, we read that he and Barnabas acknowledged that all things that God had with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, speaking of their first missionary journey. He gave God the credit for opening up the doors for the gospel. You know, We need to, as we intercede uh, on the work of the global church, be at prayer that God will open up the hearts of men. He will open up the physical opportunities so that the word can be declared. And this is important to acknowledge here, and this is, again, consistent with uh, our focus and mission, is so that the word could be proclaimed. This isn't about human efforts by way of what's the most practical or pragmatic strategy of evangelism. You know, what's the most popular way to try to win people to Christ? What ways can we manipulate or maneuver uh, to share the gospel? This is a word-based ministry. The power of the gospel is in the proclamation of the word. This is what the Spirit uses to speak to a heart that God's opening, to produce regeneration, the granting of faith, and bringing someone to obedience uh, and repentance. So the focus here in our efforts in evangelism needs to be so that we may speak forth the word of God. And specifically, it says here, the mystery of Christ. This is who we proclaimed as for this purpose that Paul faced imprisonment himself. We go on in verse 5. If you pray first with an attitude of thanksgiving for what Christ has done in your own life and then pray for God to open up a door to do that in the lives of others, then you're watchful, you're anticipating. And a Christ-centered prayer results in an opportunity to demonstrate Christ. This is what Paul says, conduct yourselves then with wisdom. And Paul talks throughout his epistles to walk in wisdom, to walk in the spirit, to walk in the light, or to walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. All of these are consistent with saying, live a life that's consistent with the message that you preach. Put Christ on display as you proclaim him. Otherwise you will undermine the testimony of the gospel. That accusation of hypocrisy will give excuse to those who don't believe that Christ has the power to transform a life. But when they see a transformed life, then they can have confidence and hope that Christ can accomplish what he promises to do, to save and sanctify. And so Paul's emphasis here is that an opportunity to actually demonstrate Christ is something that we pray towards and can expect in response to this prayer. And then lastly, Paul goes on to say a Christ-centered prayer anticipates an opportunity to what? To defend Christ. Verse 6, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, so that you will know how to respond or answer each person There are other occasions such as in Ephesians 4 where Paul reminds us that our our speech is to be characterized by grace, speaking with kindness and gentleness and not being divisive or factious or argumentative in our presentation of the truth. But more importantly, what Paul's saying here is your speech needs to be characterized not only by graciousness, but the message of grace, the grace of what God has done on our behalf. And so this is our duty and responsibility to defend Christ by actually explaining the message of the grace of the gospel. He goes on to qualify this by saying, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. And it's reminiscent of what Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 3, where Peter says, always be ready to what? Make a defense. The word there is apologetics. Able to defend the gospel. Be able to answer people's questions about who Christ is and what he's done on their behalf. Here's Paul in prison writing this epistle, having not actually ever been to Colossae, but acknowledging the testimony, the ongoing uh, fruit of the gospel ministry through his disciples and seeing this church birth and then seeing it reproduce itself. And what does he emphasize here? This is by the hand of God. And anything that will accomplish the glory and honor of Christ needs to begin with a commitment to God receiving the glory. And that's why prayer is essential here. When you pray and ask God to accomplish these things, you can't take credit for them when he does. And this is what he deserves rightly. And we want to make sure the ministry of TMAI, any ministry of Grace Church Missionaries, is a ministry that rightly brings Christ the honor that he alone deserves. And so our privilege this morning... It's to now enter into prayer on their behalf, praying that God would open up those doors uh, for defense of the gospel, the proclamation of the word. And as we do that, let me remind you, let it stir up in your own heart gratitude for what he's done on your behalf. What we want to do by way of going to prayer is we're going to just break up into small groups. Uh, You can turn the chairs around if you can figure that out or turn around in your seat. Don't hesitate to get up and go join a group. So don't pray by yourself or just pray as a couple. Try to get into groups of, you know, four, five, six at least. Uh, Introduce yourself. It's Sundays in July. Uh, Don't take too much time, though, because we want to go to prayer. Uh, I'm going to invite our staff to kind of roam around and jump into a group, if you would do that, so that you can get to know them. And then what you have in front of you are those prayer requests, and just uh, begin praying through them. Each person in the group, take a training center, pray for them, and just keep working through the list. And then, of course, you can take those home. I'll close us when we're all done so that we can finish on time and not be interrupted by those coming in. So let's go to prayer now.